This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Today's message is a continuation of last week's Gideon from Hiding to Hero, Judges chapter 6 and 7. And as you recall from last week, we saw this simple outline from these two chapters. Gideon the coward, Gideon the doubter, and Gideon the conqueror. So in brief review, let's talk about Gideon the coward. First of all, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah. By the way, do you know how Oprah Winfrey got her name? From this verse. The mom misspelled Oprah and spelled it Oprah, and that's how she got her name. Interesting factoid, but back to the Word of God. We see that Gideon was threshing in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So he was threshing wheat in a wine press where you press down on grapes. He was hiding. When an angel of the Lord, and you need to know that the phrase angel of the Lord is a technical phrase, meaning the Lord Jesus Christ. That his pre-existence, he was, he's God, he always existed, he always was, always is, and always will be. But before he became a human being, he came to earth and he hailed Gideon. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Isn't that wonderful? That even though Gideon was hiding, the Lord himself said, in my eyes, you are a mighty warrior. You know, we think less of ourselves and the Lord sees us. And that's one thing we need to change. We need to change the way we see ourselves and see ourselves through the Lord's eyes rather than through the world's eyes or through the eyes of critical people in our past or the comparison with other people. We need to see how the Lord sees us. And when he looks at you, he says, you are a mighty warrior. Why? Because I am with you. This is a powerful truth. We also see that all the Israelites were hiding. Verse 2, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Everybody was hiding. It wasn't just Gideon. But they were at a low point because the Midianites had ravaged their land for seven years consecutively, ruining their crops, killing their donkeys and their horses, and leaving them economically ruined and weak, unable to counterattack or even to defend themselves. They were being oppressed and tyrannized by the enemy. The Lord told Gideon to 
go ahead and remove the idol worship from his home. His dad and his family worshipped Baal. And Gideon was told, take that down. And he did. Only being the coward that he is, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. And then he was a doubter. Gideon saw the Lord, heard the Lord. The Lord said, I'm with you, mighty warrior. But instead of saying, yes, sir, commander-in-chief, what do you have me to do? He said, well, if you're with us, how come we're going through all of this oppression? How come we're going through this economic depression? How come I'm threshing wheat in a wine press, living in hiding? You know, this is very important. The Lord is with you no matter what life experiences you may be going through. When life is bad, it doesn't mean God is bad. Don't confuse life with God. Don't blame God and don't think God is punishing you for something you did when you're going through a hard time. Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Fix your eyes on Jesus, no matter what life circumstances are. But is it wrong to question God? Is it wrong to say, how come there's so much suffering in the world? No, it's not. As long as your conclusions draw you closer to the Lord rather than away from Him. When you go through a fiery trial, it can either become a wedge between you and the Lord, or it can push you to the bosom of God. May it push you to the bosom of God. May you become better rather than bitter because you have chosen to trust in the Lord and His presence with you even when there are tough times, especially when there are tough times. Even though we don't see the sun on a cloudy day, it's there. The Lord is faithful. He's trustworthy. Yet Gideon doubted, and uh, the Lord assured him, saying, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, the reason I'm going backwards to go forward, covering that Gideon was both a coward and a doubter, is because I want you to see something with fresh eyes. I want you to see how the Lord has been feeding Gideon's soul with his word. How the Lord has been giving to Gideon his divine and precious promises to rely upon. You see, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. What is the Lord saying to Joshua? I am with you. You're a man of valor. I will be with you and I will strike down the Midianites completely. All we need to do is believe God. Take God at his word. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. How often we can be stuck in a position of 
skepticism and suspicion of God's Word rather than embracing it in trust. Because it's beyond us and because it's different from us, we wonder if it's true. Instead, we should look at the source. God never lies. God's not a God of, dis- of disorder or confusion. God is faithful and true, and what he says goes, trust him, believe him. So now the first sign that Gideon asked for was that if you, the Lord, are really talking to me, please not, do not go away until I come back. Now he makes a wonderful meal for the Lord during that time. And guess what? The Lord in his patience and in his grace adjusts his schedule to hang around until Gideon finishes his meal. Gideon places that meal on a rock as the Lord instructs him to, and the Lord touches it with his staff and it's burned up in a fire. Does this mean the Lord did not appreciate the wonderful meal that Gideon made for him? No. That meal is consecrated. It's dedicated to the glory of God from Gideon. The Lord accepted this sacrifice completely. It was a burnt offering unto God. And so you wonder, God, after all I did for you, don't you appreciate what I do for you? And the Lord's like, I notice what you're doing for me. Nothing done will go unrewarded. When you do practice your righteousness in secret and no one sees it, the Lord sees it. So do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you shall reap a harvest. You shall be rewarded. God will bless you. But I want to point out again, isn't our God patient and loving and kind toward us? He could have easily said, no, I'm too busy. No, my schedule is such that I'm not going to hang around and wait for you to cook a meal for me. No, God accommodated himself to Gideon's request that he might know beyond the shadow of a doubt he is the Lord. He really is appearing to him. He really is speaking to him. He really is giving him promises. It was so real that back then people believed, and we believe too, that if you were to see God, you'd die immediately. And so Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, the Lord himself, and he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord, knowing what was on his heart, said, Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. And Gideon named that place, The Lord is Peace. The Lord spoke peace to him, reassured him he's safe and secure in the hands of God, And Gideon named that place Jehovah Shalom. God is peace. Have you learned about the Lord through your life experiences? Could you nickname certain places where you've encountered God as to the revelations of Him that you've discovered because of your experience? By trusting Him through a real estate transaction you may realize that the Lord is my sovereign God who works all things out for good. Maybe you've gone through a health scare and you realize God is my deliverer. It's not a wrong thing or a bad thing to give God nicknames, especially biblical nicknames. Jehovah Shalom. 
God is my peace. Jehovah Rapha, God is my healer. Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. When we praise God with his biblical names, we recognize his character, we recognize his conduct, we recognize his track record of faithfulness. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God for all he is and thank him for all he does. Now, we come over here to uh, the fleece that he's going to lay out. He says um, in chapter 6, 36, If you will save Israel by my hand as you promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor, and if there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. How many have heard the expression, putting out a fleece? This is where we get that expression. That sometimes you want to know for sure what God's will is. And you're asking him to approve or disapprove, to lead or to lead away from where you're headed. And this is what Gideon is doing. Is it wrong to lay out a fleece? No. It's the spirit by which you are asking. Gideon is needing reassurance that it's really the Lord and it's the Lord's will for him to defeat the Midianites by his hand. And notice this uh, miracle. Have you ever awakened on a camp out? I was in Boy Scouts and we camped every month. I have the perfect camper badge for eight years of camping every month in Connecticut. And we're talking snow, and we're talking rain. It rained so much that our Boy Scout troop had a kerchief with a big thundercloud and a lightning bolt on the back of it. Because every time we went camping, it poured rain. But you know, in the morning, there'd be that dew on the grass. There'd be that dew on the tent. And if you weren't careful, there'd be that dew on your sleeping bag and on all the stuff you left outside. Imagine waking up and there's no dew. But the one place you asked for there to be dew on this fleece, this uh, fur, all of it is covered with dew. It's soaking wet. That would be a sign. Now you would think Gideon would say, thank you, Lord, you've confirmed your will. But no, even though it happened exactly as Gideon had asked, and he squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water, which is plenty of proof, proof, what did Gideon do? Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. And that night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. Wouldn't that be interesting? You wake up, get out of your tent, everything's covered with dew, even your sleeping bag and your boots that you left out there. And then you look at the fleece and it's perfectly dry. It is not wet. There's moisture all around it, and you pick it up, 
and you shake it, you squeeze it, it's dry. That's a miracle. It's God confirming His Word. We don't need to have an experience above or beyond the Word of God to confirm the validity and the veracity of the Word of God. The Word of God is the authority for all of life and practice. The Word of God is what we judge experiences and emotions by, not the other way around. But in this case, God is granting the signs that Gideon has asked to give him a blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. So during the night, as he's still struggling with doubt, you would think this, these signs would confirm it. God says, I'm going to give you a sign you didn't ask for. I want you to go on down to the Midian camp and just eavesdrop. And you're going to hear something that's going to bless your heart and encourage you. Now this is where the story gets even better in making a coward and a doubter into a conqueror. Isn't it like God to give you in his perfect timing that word that bolsters your spirit? So here is Gideon. He goes to the Midian camp. He overhears two soldiers talking. One says, I had a dream last night. And this is where it gets really fun. The dream I had was that a barley loaf, a round loaf of barley bread, came tumbling into the Midian camp and it struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. Did you know that the barley loaf is the least of the breads? Do you remember that when the Lord asked Gideon to go, he said, why? My tribe is the least of the tribes of Israel, and I'm the least of the least. I'm the weakest of the weak. How could you use me? But when he heard it was a, a round loaf of barley bread, he got it. He's talking about me. I'm the least of the least. I'm the weakest of the weak. I'm the lowliest of the lowly. And if a round loaf of barley bread can roll with such great force that it knocks down a tent, then God can surely use me. Little is much when God is in it. God can use anyone, and God especially likes to use the weak and the unknown because he gets all the glory. That's why he's going to use this unsung hero, Gideon. Now we find here that when the interpretation of the stream is given by the soldier's friend, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. I love this story because we are limiting God in the way we see ourselves. I'm just a round loaf of barley bread. And God says, in my hand, you're the sword of Gideon. 
You're the sword of Gideon. You're a mighty warrior. Stop putting yourself down. Stop doubting yourself. Stop questioning, did God make a mistake in using me? Could God ever use me? Can one person make a difference? God is calling you. God is lifting you up. God sees you with eyes that affirms his destiny and purpose for your life. Rise up and embrace that. When Gideon heard the interpretation of this dream. Notice this, it's so important. He bowed down and he worshipped. Have you ever been broken down by the love of God? Where you realize how much God loves you and values you and believes in you, and you just shake your head and say, Oh God, blessed be your name. To you be all the glory. Thank you, Lord. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all. To thee, to God, be the glory. That's what was happening with Gideon. So now for him to be the conqueror, there's something important. Number one, he must believe in the word of God. Whatever God says, he must believe. The Lord said, I'm with you. The Lord said, you shall save Israel. Have I not sent you? The Lord said, surely I will be with you. The Lord said, you shall destroy uh, the Midianites in their entirety, and uh, he gave them a, a heard interpretation of a dream that confirmed this. Believe God. Trust God. He's patiently loving you. He's patiently coming alongside you. He's patiently revealing things to you. He's in reinforcing his word to you. Are you listening? Are you trusting? Are you following through? God wants you not to be a hearer only, but a doer of his word. So we get here then to Gideon being told by the Lord, you've got too many in this battle. I want you to reduce the forces. Now wait a second. Reduce the forces? On the one hand, we're talking about 32,000, uh, 22,000, uh, yeah, 32,000 men facing a, a huge amount of the Midianites, a hundred and something thousand. And you want to reduce the numbers? Yeah, you have too many men, verse 2, and I cannot deliver Midian into your hands, or Israel would boast against me, saying, my own strength has saved me. So there are three enemies in this story. Enemy one is the Midianites. The other two enemies are the internal enemies. There's the one that says, I'm self-sufficient, and I don't need God. I can do it myself. If I win this battle, it's because I applied my strength and ingenuity, and no thanks, God, I didn't need your help. Isn't that an enemy? The enemy of self-sufficiency? Then there's the enemy of fear. Gideon said, anyone who's even slightly afraid of going into battle against the Midianites who have been ravaging us for seven years and beating us up like a big bully, can go home now. How many want to go home? 10,000. I'm out of here. Excuse me, how many? 22,000. It's even worse than I thought. 22,000 left. And 10,000 remain. Thank you. I've got it backwards. And now, the Lord said in verse 4, you still have too many men. So go down and have them drink water and separate out the ones who 
um, cupped their hands. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. And with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Now someone has said, what is the drinking test? Whether you just go down to the fresh water and just put your mouth there and suck in the refreshment, or whether you cup the water and drink from your hands, what's the difference? Some say there's no difference. It was just an arbitrary choice. But others say, well, you know what? The people who cup their hands are people who are staying alert. They're drinking water, but they're looking around. Who did God pick? The people who just sucked out of the water. So he's not picking the best soldiers. He's picking the worst soldiers who just think of satisfying their thirst rather than looking around to see if there's an enemy. God gets all the glory. So when he returned to the camp after hearing this dream, he said, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. And he divides the 300 men into three companies and he places trumpets. That's my favorite part because I love playing the trumpet. Only they're ram's horns. And no valves. And there's empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Now I want you to know I really did this. I was in Boy Scouts and I was in Order of the Arrow, which is the honorary society of campers. And I had dress up like a Native American with the full gear, and we had torches. But we had to cover the torches as a canoe took us across the lake to the campfire, council campfire, where we were going to tap out some scouts that had been picked to be inducted into the Honor Society of Campers, the Order of the Arrow. And so just at the right time, we pulled away the guard of our torches, and suddenly there were torches coming across the lake. It was a very dramatic moment, and people were very impressed and honored when they were inducted with the three hard taps on the shoulder, which we loved to do. But this was even better, because they not only broke the jar, but they blew a trumpet. Now, can you imagine if you're sound asleep and you hear this thing shatter all around you in quadraphonic sound and suddenly it's like daylight in the middle of the night? I think you'd freak out. I think you'd panic. And guess what happened? They so panicked, they started attacking each other. They started stabbing each other and, and fighting with each other. There was great confusion. And, of course, Gideon got the victory. Isn't this a great story? But it's a powerful story because God wants us to deal with the enemy of overconfidence. He wants us to deal with the enemy of fear. And he wants us to take him at his word. When we take God at his word, fears fall by the wayside. When we take God at his word, we humble ourselves and we trust in him and he gets the glory. Gideon went from hiding to hero, from coward and doubter to conqueror because of his faith in the Lord and in his word. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world.
And that's why he's mentioned in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11.32. I could tell you more about all these heroes, like Gideon. And when he mentions that in Hebrews 11.32, he's saying the epitaph on Gideon's tombstone was not Gideon was a coward. It was not Gideon was a doubter. It was Gideon was a man of faith. Isn't that great? God does not see you as a coward. He doesn't see you as a doubter. He sees you as a man of faith, a woman of faith. Hang on to him. Realize and reach up to your destiny. God is calling you to be a mighty warrior for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we needed this word. We thank you for this word. We praise you because you know us. We are weak. We are timid. We would rather run than run into battle. We'd like to run away from it. And so, Lord, it's only by faith in you that we can have courage. And we say thank you for your patience, your loving kindness. Thank you for putting up with us when we test you and ask you for confirmations. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would bless each one, that we would have faith in you, trust in you, that we would take you at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.